Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series, where we discuss the biggest industry news from the past week or so in a bite-sized format. I'm Siobhan Holt, News Editor of PR Week UK. Joining me today is John Harrington, the Editor of PR Week UK, and reporters Eliza Radu and Evie Barrett. I think we should start with some big news on the PRCA. The government review into the PRCA, which started last September, has been released with some really big changes. John, you've been looking into this. What have you found? Yes, so this is some potentially very big news. On Friday, a proposal was released to reform the PRCA. Um, Some context first. As you mentioned, the plan follows a review that was instigated way back in September by Sarah Schofield when she became chair. The review took on much greater significance the following month in October when there were complaints made public about how the PRCA operated. Some were saying... The complaints handling system was inadequate. A small number of agencies suspended their membership or pulled out altogether. There were also complaints about the conduct of Francis Ingham, uh, the Director General at the time. Since then, of course, there is the very sad news in March this year that Francis had died. 
as you'd expect, that added some delay to this review process. But anyway, last week came the publication of what they called a governance blueprint, proposing wholesale changes. There were many things here. A 12-strong working group will now work out the details of what's going to happen next. And we expect to have a new government structure put in place for a vote at the EGM in September. I'm not going to discuss every detail, it, it would go on too long, but some key elements include replacing the current board of directors, which has more than 30 members, with a kind of slimmed down management board of 10, two of whom will be independent from outside the industry. Now, there had been complaints that the current structure is a bit too big, a bit too unwieldy, so this aims to address that clearly. A more transparent and independent process for handling complaints is also proposed. There will be a standards board where complaints or concerns can be lodged. Members will include chairs of some of the other boards and, as they call it, a number of independent people from across the industry. Ray Eglinton from Four, he's on the working group. He told me the industry doesn't mark its own homework. So that's quite an interesting development. And one more point here, the director general role itself won't be replaced. There'll be a chief executive and also a president. The president, as they put it, will be very visible as a spokesperson for the industry. I think this really shows the scale of the task at the PRCA. The PRCA has grown hugely under Francis Ingham's leadership over several years. And one of the complaints was that the structure hasn't grown to cope with it. The trade body you know, operates in many countries now and undertakes a lot of things that it didn't do previously. So you can see the logic behind having someone in a kind of heads down role running at all as the chief executive, while at the same time, Francis was widely known as being a good communicator and prominent public face for the industry. And I don't think anyone wants that to go. So how have these recent changes, how are the critics, how are they reacting to it? Well, they've been broadly welcomed. I spoke to some of them and they are keen for a more formal structure to be in place. I think the criticism last year came largely from individuals and agencies who had been long-time supporters of the PRCA but felt it had lost its way and needed reform. I do think the devil is in the detail of these proposals and the new look PRCA still has a lot to do, but I also think there's goodwill there at least. So we'll watch with interest and I'm sure many will as well. Absolutely. So moving on, so this weekend, it was a big weekend for the UK. It marked the coronation of King Charles III at Westminster Abbey. So what do you all think, guys? Has it been a con success, would you say, for the royal family? Didn't watch it. (laughs) What about you, ladies? I think the outcome was largely positive. I mean, there were obviously some misses, as we're going to talk about, but I think overall it did get a lot of positive publicity and I think people enjoyed celebrating. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that if you like the monarchy, you probably enjoyed it. Mm. If you think it's a colossal waste of money propping up an archaic system that needs to go, you probably didn't. I think with a lot of things around the royals, usual kind of common rules don't apply quite so much or in the same way. So, yeah, Britain did pageantry well in these sorts of occasions as, as it usually does. But there were certainly some individuals and organisations that did better than others out of it, I would say. And when I say I didn't watch it, I saw countless clips what i didn't do is like sit in front of the tv to watch from you know, start to finish <laughs> yeah lord and lady whoever kind of walk in with their titles and, and stuff i had better things to do but the sort of comms impact of all of the events have been interesting one thing that seems to have come out from all of it does seem to be that prince william seems to come out quite well that whole stiff upper lip has gone when it came to him during the ceremony giving 
the king a kiss during this i think it was the section where he's where he's pledging allegiance i think to the king and the crown and i think people viewed that as like a poignant moment between father and son and obviously they have this sort of impression and attitude that they're not emotional and that seemed to be quite a an unusual thing for the royal family to be showing so i think that seemed to be like a common success that some people were saying online and his openness as well during the coronation concert where he'd done a tribute and he'd referred to him as par and he'd said about how the late queen would have been a proud mother so it's an interesting thing that they, they do get quite a lot of criticism but this sort of connection that people saw of oh they're just like us as soon as they do that they sort of break a barrier don't they and then it goes completely out of comms norms really for that because you can't really plan for that with the general public yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because I think until fairly recently, William and Kate were seen as pretty good comms performers. Yes. You know, they were generally liked and seen as a sort of steady influence and, you know, fairly beige in many ways. But, yeah, but a couple people can associate with, which is, yeah. always seems to be the message that people come out with. Yeah. They're like us. <laughs> but I, I actually think they fell back in more recent times. I, I think their yeah. trip to the Caribbean was a bit of a disaster, some of those images. And I also think... There was a situation a couple of months ago, wasn't there, where they visited food banks. Yeah, the food bank. That, that wasn't a particularly good look. But I think particularly with Harry out of the picture, it's probably nice to have some senior people in the family who can look empathetic and look human and look, as you say, have that sort of connection with people. Mm. And it sounds like maybe they're keen for William to take on that mantle. And obviously he's very likely to be the next king. Yes. So yeah, um, yeah. he's, he's important for his, his reputation to be to be good as well, I suppose. And I think another person's reputation that seems to have a complete U-turn was Penny Morden as well. Yeah, she was a bit of an unexpected star of the coronation. I think prior to this weekend, people probably hadn't taken that much notice of her other than obviously when she was running to be um, leader of the Conservative Party. Obviously now she's leader of the House of Commons, so that meant that she was involved with the coronation. There was a lot of comments online, certainly that I saw about her outfit, (laughs) people sort of putting their political views to one side and saying, but she did look good and she did do a good job. And I mean, she was holding that massive sword for hours, I think. (laughs) Sword of state. Yeah, Yeah. that, that, that alone deserves praise, I think. But yeah, she seems to have gotten herself in the limelight and people seem to quite like her, I think. I saw a few tweets suggesting that she could possibly be Prime Minister, not just off the back of this, but people will remember that she yeah, did a good job. Is. Yeah, something quite King Arthur about that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, there is. Yeah. Just the one who shall hold aloft the sword shall be ruler. <laughs> we may be joking about this, but there's obviously been a lot of controversy this weekend, though, in relation to the Republican protesters that were arrested and the Met Police and their handling. Yes, so you know we've been thinking about hits and misses and i think the met has been a big a big miss another big miss but also at the same time graham smith particularly of the group republic i think has really shown himself to be a great communicator for the anti monarchy cause it's i mean where where to begin i mean it it does seem like the met is struggling to learn its lessons when it comes to how it communicates with the public mm. um just a sort of background smith who's the ceo of republic the anti monarchy group him and five fellow members of that group were arrested on Saturday after their vehicle was stopped near the route of the coronation procession. Police said they had, quote, reasonable grounds, end quote, to believe that protesters would use items to lock themselves onto objects, which are now illegal under a new law. No charges were made against the group and they were later released. The police did apologise. But I thought Smith's statement was particularly good, very impactful. You know, he slammed the arrest as 
quote, a direct attack on our democracy and the fundamental rights of every person in this country. The right to protest peacefully in the UK no longer exists. Said we have a freedom to protest as contingent on political decisions made by ministers and senior police officers. I think the way the police sort of suggested that almost the norms of when you can protest should be put to one side during this state coronation event was kind of weird. I mean, either you have the right to protest or you don't. And the fact that it's the coronation shouldn't really have any, any effect on that. That seems to be the sort of logic. There were a lot of criticisms of the police and their actions. And a lot of those were from people who you might associate with the political right. I mean, for example, Julia Hartley Brewer, who's very much of the right wing persuasion, you could say it's it's worth having a look at her comments. She said, I'm really, really scared of how many people in this country think that everyone has a right to protest if it is something they agree with, but not if they don't, mm. which I think sort of really hits the nail on the head. And it's also worth saying that it wasn't just the rest of the Republic protesters that caused a backlash. Westminster City Council had early said it was deeply concerned after three women's safety volunteers in a council-backed scheme were arrested for carrying rape alarms. They are arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to commit public nuisance. The Met said it has, it has some intelligence that they may be using the rape alarms to disrupt the procession. It really feels like, as I say, the Met has got a big comms job to do. And I think it's it's really got to sort of look at how it's handling these sorts of issues much more closely. And I think particularly a lot of the videos we've seen of the protesters have been pretty damaging. You know, the police look very heavy handed. They look like they've got no sympathy at all. So, yeah, disappointing one for the Met. But I also think Graham Smith has become a bit of a star when it comes to putting across the Republican cause. So the cause of Republicanism has probably grown thanks to the Met. They've probably helped it a bit. Whether that will have any impact in the long term, who knows? But very clear top and flop there. Did anyone spot any flops during the actual coronation, would you say? Well, I think something that was... Well, it started off as a flop and then got adjusted because of the reaction. It was the whole Pledge of Allegiance thing that obviously dominated the headlines last week before the coronation. For anyone who didn't see it, was basically there was an announcement that anyone watching the coronation would be invited to swear their allegiance to the king. And I think after that story broke, the internet just kind of exploded. A lot of people making fun of it and thinking it was quite funny and others quite angry that it would be suggested that they should be loyal to a leader that they didn't elect. Even the broadcaster, Jonathan Dimbleby, who is a friend of the king, said it was an ill-advised proposal. And there was so much criticism that apparently at the king's request, that part of the ceremony was changed so that people were just invited to say, God save King Charles, rather than making the full pledge. So I thought that was quite a spectacular failure if even the king himself made a U-turn. Mm, yeah, very true. And I know when I watched it, I was waiting for that bit to see what it was going to be like. And it, it did seem to be very little. Like you could tell that something had gone on and it had been reduced. But yeah, it, it does seem like not reading the room at all with that one. And it did it did seem to pick up pace though with the media. Yeah, I think it escalated a bit in, in headlines were saying that people were being asked to do it rather than invited. invited. And it was kind of seen as if it was going to be a compulsory thing by the sounds of it. But it was, I think it was only ever a suggestion, but people clearly didn't take it very well nonetheless. No, and it, and even with the people at the coronation, it seems a very bad fit. They're not 
half the congregation were not British subjects. So it seemed uh, from the UK. So it did seem an odd thing. I thought another flop was Adjua Ando's comment about the Buckingham Palace balcony lineup. She referred to the Buckingham Palace balcony lineup as terribly white while on air, and some royal fans took to Twitter to express their outrage. Many called her comments racist, and someone wrote on Twitter that does she think family should be subjected to diversity quotas? The following day, she clarified on BBC Radio 4 that she didn't mean to upset anyone, but it still left a horrible taste in some people's mouths. Anyway, moving on, that's not the only key event this month that the UK is uh, waiting for. So the Eurovision Song Contest returns to the UK for the first time in 25 years. So that's been since Katrina and the Waves. The singing competition kicks off in Liverpool this weekend and it'll be hosted here on behalf of Ukraine because sadly they can't hold the event due to the ongoing war with Russia. So Eva, you've been looking into this. Are brands seeing this as a PR opportunity or not? Yeah, so I think ordinarily... Eurovision being in the UK would be quite a big deal for a lot of brands and they would probably use it for themed campaigns and news checking. But I think with the circumstances this time, with the coronation being so close, brands have been a bit torn on which event they should focus on. So in the feature I wrote, we spoke to Just Eat, who um, said that they favoured the coronation ultimately over Eurovision because they seem to just come to the conclusion that it's a bigger event in terms of the nationwide appeal. They also said that they see Eurovision as a bit outdated and repetitive. I don't think that's true across the board. I think different brands will have different approaches and which event to focus on, Coronation or Eurovision, does depend on which kind of brand you are. For example, a lot of the more traditional or heritage brands would be expected to celebrate the Coronation, but I think modern Eurovision does have its own dedicated fan base, particularly on social media. So for brands like that, those kind of traditional brands, there might not be much point going all out on Eurovision if the bulk of their audience isn't interested in it. So I think, yeah, it just depends. It's about knowing who your audience is, really. Mm -hmm. Can we expect a social media avalanche for brands? Yeah, so I think some brands are particularly well aligned to a Eurovision campaign, mainly the ones which are quite active on social media purely because there's a lot of discussion on Twitter about Eurovision. We had some data that um, already there have been half a million tweets about Eurovision this year. There was also a comment on LinkedIn from a former Twitter marketing manager following the story we did who suggested that brands should get involved in the build-up to Eurovision all through this week rather than just going big on Saturday. So I think even if brands aren't spending a lot of money on a particular Eurovision campaign there's still a good chance for them to engage with fans. Can brands really afford not to take part in Eurovision? Unfortunately I think with the coronation and the completely unique circumstances this time they probably can because I think Eurovision has lost out a bit in terms of attention but undeniably it will still be a worthy opportunity for the brands that do utilise it especially those local to Liverpool obviously there's going to be a lot going on there so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunities for those that do get involved but I just think that a lot of brands have put their attention elsewhere this time. Interesting. It can be a kind of newsjacking goldmine can't it? Mm. You've basically got every sort of five or ten minutes you've got another group of usually eccentric folk coming up singing and dancing. There is so much commentary that happens throughout the whole thing 
yeah, it strikes me that there'll be so much attention on on the whole thing. And you know what Twitter's like, people just like to go off and these, you know, create these silly memes, find out what what they're going to be, you know, focusing on. It's like during the coronation, you remember I had that that image of this person who looked like he was in disguise and people were saying, is that Meghan Markle sort yeah. of undercover and things like, you know, really stupid. Like I think Eurovision is just brilliant for that. Yeah. So I expect there'll be a lot of attention on it and it strikes me that brands that are good at brand jacking will have a field day. Definitely, yeah. I think that's where we'll see the bulk of the brand activity is on social media rather than separate campaigns. I'm really surprised Just Eat haven't gone with it. Since it's an event that you essentially sit in front of your television for, I'm really surprised that they haven't jumped on this. I think part of the reason that they favoured the coronation was the whole link with Katy Perry and people asking her to sing the Just Eat song at the coronation concert. So there's an argument for both, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, that's it for this episode. Noise in Brief goes live every two weeks. In the meantime, look out for our Beyond the Noise podcast next week. Thanks to John, Eliza and Evie, and thanks to you for listening. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.